Hey everyone, it's Lockie Mansell back with you for another edition of Checkered Flag Chat. For this episode, Shane Jones and I get our crystal balls out to try and predict the next 10 drivers you'll see racing full-time in supercars. We discuss a range of potentials, including the brightest up-and-coming talents from junior categories like Super 2 and Super 3, but we've dropped a few bombshells in there as well, including some big international names. So, here we go, our predictions for the future of the Supercars Championship grid, here on Checkered Flag Chat. Joining me to discuss the next generation of supercars drivers is my good mate Shane Jones. Jonesy, good to actually be recording a podcast with you in person rather than remotely. Yeah, it's a strange feeling. Usually we're on different cameras in um, on our laptops and yeah, today we're, we're side by side. So yeah, great to be here. So we're halfway through 2023, the silly season murmurings are starting to happen in the background, but what we thought we would do is have a look at drivers who are not currently in supercars who might end up in a full-time drive sometime in the near future. So what each of us have done is we've gone away, we've listed who we think are the next 10 drivers who will be on the supercars grid full-time, so it's going to be interesting to see how our drivers compare. One of the things is that we haven't put drivers such as Zane Goddard or Richie Stanaway who have previously competed in supercars full-time who might find their way back onto the grid. But I think one of the things is that while there are only 25 places on the grid currently, I think there's going to be some significant change in the next two to three seasons because you'd have to say that there's at least three current drivers who are in the twilight of their careers, those being Mark Winsbottom, James Courtney and Will Davison. You've also got a couple of drivers who are under pressure based on their results. Think about people like Nick Turkat and Declan Fraser. And then you've got others like Shane Van Gisberg and Brody Kostecki and Cam Waters who are potentially interested in pursuing overseas opportunities. So it could be that within the next one, two, three seasons, we're going to have some quite significant changes in the makeup of the grid. Well, you mentioned... 10 names just then so that's almost half the grid and I'd add probably Scott Pye who might be in danger as well of losing his spot at the end of the year if the rumours are are, um, anything to go by so that's almost half the grid going in in two to three maybe even four years which probably isn't isn't um, against the norm it's probably happened consistently over a period of time because you have drivers who either pay their way to get in last one or two years, come back out, or you do. You have generational talents coming out. I mean, we've had Craig Lowndes, Garth Tander, and a couple of others. Lee Holdsworth, another one, who've retired and gone on to be co-drivers rather than full-time drivers. So it happens. It's just like an AFL or an NRL team. It gets to a point where you have a transition where a lot of players leave and new players come in, and it's just, I guess, adapting and seeing who's going to be the talented ones out of those. So three rookies on the grid this year, Matt Payne, Cameron Hill, Declan Fraser. And what we've done is we've gone through and we've we've looked at who we think the next drivers are who are going to land themselves a spot on the supercars grid. So I'll start off with a name and then you can tell me whether or not you've got it on your list and then we'll swap it around. So the first name on my list is Zach Best. So he's been a consistent front runner in the Super 2 Series, runner-up twice. He's now in his fourth season. He's currently leading the points. 
He starred in a wildcard appearance with Tickford at the Bend last year where he qualified on pole position. He's been part of Tickford's endurance driver lineup the last few years, and I think that relationship with Tickford will serve him well, especially if you'd have to think that Tickford are going to be looking at replacing at least one and possibly more of their drivers in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, he was definitely on my list. He was number one. I mean, if he wins the Super 2 season this year, which he's on track to do, I mean, he's not going to have. He's not only going to have obviously interest from his own team, Tickford, but there will be interest outside of those teams to potentially get him in. I mean, if you're Tickford, do you, you probably sit sit at the end of last year, and I guess hindsight's a wonderful thing, but you probably sit there at the end of last year and go, or oh, I guess now you, you sit down and make the decision: Did we make the right decision in, in getting Declan in over um, Declan Fraser? That is over um, Zach Best, but um, I still think you make the right that call on Declan given that Declan won the Super 2 season last year and yes he's struggled in supercars so far this season but there is a talented driver in there and these new Gen 3 beasts can be hard to tame sometimes so I mean we might see some really good results from Declan in the second half of the season but he's just got to really stop being involved in incidents mm. in the first couple of laps. But anyway, enough of Declan. The point here is with, with Zach, um, he really should be on the grid by now already. Um, but let's be brutally honest. Um, he had the highest ever wildcard position last year um, at, at the bend. He got the first pole from a wildcard as well. Um, he's he's done really good as a co-driver, not only in 2021, but, but last year as well. I know last year wasn't really his fault when him and Thomas Randall got pretty much eliminated after the first lap. But um, there is a talented driver in there that is waiting to to be given an opportunity in supercars, and I have no doubt that that's coming sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think probably the one thing I'd say about Zach Best is that this year he does actually need to get the job done and win the Super 2 title. He's come close the last couple of seasons, but he hasn't managed to actually win the championship. He needs to do that, I think, this year as the absolute favourite and as the most experienced driver apart from, I think, Matt Charter in the Super 2 field. He needs to to, uh, to get that crown under his belt. But I've said that more likely than not, next year he'll be on the grid. I've actually given him a 95% chance of being on the grid in a full-time capacity next I, year. I think it's 98 for me. Mm. I, I think... I think with, with what's happening at Tickford, there's going to be a vacancy somewhere, whether that's James Courtney, Cameron Waters in, in a different circumstance. It's not because he's not good enough for that team. It's because there might be an opportunity somewhere else. And then obviously you've got Declan Fraser and his future and what happens if he continues the way he's going and, and his form. You hope he turns it around, but if his form continues the way he's going, um, I mean... Well, yeah, I mean, he, he's going worse than Jake, Jake Kostecki, who and they let go at the end of last year. Exactly, and and I know the incident that happened at the gala was, was cited as one of the reasons, but it wasn't just that. It was There were other factors that, that did contribute to Jake being um, let go by, by Tickford. So, based on that, if Declan's not doing better than him, he's doing worse than him, and he hasn't really been able to perform like he probably should have, um, then, yeah, he... There's going to be a spot there at Tickford, mm. which means that if Zach does his job at, from his end, he goes on to win the Super 2 title, then yeah, he, he'll be in there. But there's probably other opportunities as well in Supercars land. There are a couple of drivers out of contract that, that could certainly be out, and he comes certainly in, into that scenario. So um, yeah, I, I rate him as a 98% chance. I think he's definitely definitely there thereabouts. All right, your turn. Mine's uh, purely based on rumour, given that in the last couple of weeks we've heard his name pop up a couple of times in in drivers that could be on the grid for next year. So it's Ryan Wood, uh, who's actually driving for WAU right now in Super 2. 
So um, he's had a really impressive start to the season, um, had a couple of wins, and um, I know he's not high in the championship right now because he had an unfortunate retirement early in the season, but if he continues in his recent form, uh, there's no doubt that he'll be a contender for the title this year, and he may even take it out, and if he does that, um, then certainly WAU and even... Um, Team 18 has been rumoured to be looking at him as well. So um, based on that, I think he's certainly in contention to be on the grid next year, and that's why I've got him pretty high. Yeah, I've got him number two on my list as well. So, so far, we agree. So obviously, Super 2 this year, he's going well. Like you said, he was very fast in Newcastle, but he got caught up in an incident which led to his retirement. But then Perth, he was dominant, winning both of the races there. The Walkinshaw relationship will definitely help. Let's not forget he was very fast in the Porsche Michelin Sprint Challenge last year as well, where he qualified on pole for every round. And like you said, there's at least two teams already interested in his services. Probably the only question mark for me is that, as of yet, he doesn't have an enduro drive for this year, and it's a a pretty tall order for somebody to, to jump straight into the main game without doing at least one season of doing the endurance races as a co-driver beforehand but even so where there's smoke there's fire there's clearly a lot of interest surrounding him Uh, by all reports he's got good commercial backing from New Zealand as well so I have given him a 90% chance of being on the grid next year I'm a little bit lower I think 85 I know I know rumors are, are certainly lighting up about him and getting on the grid but a lot of things have got to fall into place. Um, Perkat's got to leave WAU. There's a guarantee that he may not still be there if Perkat does leave because Waters might come in. And even at Team 18, I mean, Scott Pye's done a good enough job over the last three or four to five years at that team to, to warrant still another contract. But um, if Team 18 does want to go in a new direction and obviously have another driver with Mark Windsorbottom, then, then Ryan would fit that bill. But you're right. That, that co-driver experience, um, which he may not get this year because there's very little spots left on the grid, it, it does raise the point of why did WAU um, get rid of their wild card? Because if they didn't, then Ryan would have been a perfect candidate. You mentioned he's got commercial backing, so it could have all been done. And I know WAU cited that they're looking at um, being in the championship hunt with Chaz and doing a full focus on him, but uh, we're going on a big tangent here, but given the parity issues and everything else, if they don't rectify those things um, pretty quickly, Chaz is going to be out of the out of the, out of the championship hunt pretty quickly. And then at Bathurst, you're pretty much only fighting for a Bathurst 1000 win, which is still great, but a third wildcard would have been ideal. And if you look at what happened last year with um, Erebus, um, having that third team of data proved instrumental because they were able to to, to dial those two cars in um, using the Stanaway and Murphy data to, to have those two in contention for most of the day. So yeah, I think the big thing though is that running a wild card it requires a lot of funding and this year the teams already have their resources stretched to the max with Gen 3 cars and making sure that they've got enough spare parts to run their existing full time cars so Triple uh, Eight do have a wild card entry that they're running but for a lot of the other teams I think it's going to be a pretty big stretch but anyway we digress um, I have Given, like I said, Ryan would a 90% chance for next year or a little bit lower at an 85% chance. Number three on my list, it actually gets, after those top two, it actually gets a little bit more difficult after that. And I, I found it quite hard ordering the next eight drivers in my top 10. In fact, 
in the initial list that I had, I, I came up with a total of 24 drivers, and it was actually not an easy exercise reducing that down to 10. Uh, and when we get to the end, I'll talk about some of the other drivers who just missed out on making the list. But anyway... Uh, Aaron Love is number three on my list. Is he on yours? Yeah, he is. Um, and he's, to me, the third or the fourth option. Obviously, my fourth option will, will come out pretty soon. But yeah, I'll probably have him number three. Um, just purely for the fact that um, the way the way he's connected um, with Blanchard Racing already could could lead him to being on the grid sooner rather than later. Um, we all know that Todd Hazelwood's out of contract at the end of the year. I'm not saying he's gone, but if he doesn't perform, then... Um, Blanchard's got an option to put Aaron Love in and if Aaron does his does his job in Super 2 um, then yeah it, it's almost a direct replacement but I'm I question whether that's going to happen next year I don't think it will I think Aaron's just just 12 months away from probably being in contention for a Supercars gig and we don't even know if he's going to be the co-driver um, with Todd Hazelwood at the upcoming Bathurst 1000 um, Tim Blanchard's sort of questioning whether he puts Aaron in the car or obviously he puts himself in the car and we haven't got that decision just yet. So No, they're pretty much the last team in fact to announce who their co-driver's going to be for the Enduros so it must be imminent that decision given that Sandown's not very far away. Exactly. So um, if Aaron doesn't get that gig you'd probably think that he's unlikely to be involved in, in the main game next year um, and the rumours of them getting two cars are pretty much I believe that dead in the water. So, well, yeah. I mean, if supercars are talking about potentially reducing the size of the field, then you would have to say that, despite the fact that Tim Blanchard and the Cool Drive team have said that they want to expand two cars, that might not be a possibility if there's no extra uh, teams racing charter available for them. And who knows? They might be the one that that sells off and and goes into the sky and do, does something different. I mean, you just don't know. Mm. So, look, Aaron's talented. He's he's got he's got everything going. Uh, he right. almost won the Carrera Cup title last year despite missing two rounds. Yeah, and he's been consistent this year in the Super Two Series. He's been pretty good, um, without I guess getting that that elusive win. So. Um, he's ticking all the boxes. He's doing everything that he needs to do. I just don't think he's going to be on the grid next year. But he's no. certainly an opportunity. He's certainly uh, got an opportunity potentially in, in 2025. And um, as as for that, I probably have him as about a 70, 75% chance um, to get there. Um, for 2025, I'm exactly the same. In fact, I, I only give him a 20% chance for next year, but that increases to a, a 75% chance for 2025. Yeah, I think that's about right. And, and especially if he goes on to win next year's Super 2 Series, you'd think that a couple of the drivers would come out. He'd be in a situation where he'd probably be one of the favourites. Um, yeah, you just you just think that, that, that that's going to be an opportunity for him to, to, to be successful going forward. All right, next one on your list. Uh, I believe he's second in the championship in Super 2, Cooper Murray. Yeah, well, guess what? He's next on my list as well. I was actually hoping we would disagree a bit more on this. <laughs> I think the hard It's thing... going to be a very boring podcast if we agree on I, everything. I, I don't think we agree on the last six, I'll, no. I'll guarantee you that. I think the thing with supercars is that a lot of the talent comes from Super 2. So it's not hard to probably pick your first four or five... But after that, we might have a few of a, a few issues. But at the end of the day, if Cooper Murray goes on and um, wins the title this year, he might be even in, on the grid next year. You just never know with what could happen. But um, I think that's unlikely, and I think he's in the similar 
scenario to Aaron Love. I think he's 12 months away. He's had a really good season so far, um, but I just think that there, there won't be an opportunity for him to be in the main game in, in 2024, and I really reckon that he'll get an opportunity next year to be a co-driver somewhere, and then obviously in 2025, um, if there's an opportunity and he does really well in Super 2, I think from there he'll be uh, right in the hunt. So, a bit of background on Cooper Murray. So, he was very impressive in the Porsche categories. He almost won the Porsche Michelin Sprint Challenge in 2018. Uh, he came very close to winning a Carrera Cup title as well. He was certainly extremely quick in Carrera Cup in the, the seasons that he did in that category. He spent a year on the sidelines last year where he didn't race anything, but then immediately impressive on his return to racing, winning his very first Super 2 race in Newcastle with the Eggleston Motorsports squad. He's got raw speed and he's got raw talent. I think he probably just needs to refine his technical feedback a bit. It seems that he's one of those drivers where if the car's not quite to his liking, he can struggle a bit. So just getting that part of his game into gear in giving feedback to the engineers and and helping them to improve the car. That's probably the next thing that he needs to work on. So far in the Super 2 Series, he's had a couple of top three finishes, um, a fifth and a 13th place finish as well. But yeah, there's no doubt that it's been impressive. Not sure that his relationship with main game teams is quite as strong as some of the other drivers on this list. That's the other factor there. I don't think he's got... You know, Aaron Love's obviously got the cool drive tie-up. Zach Best has the Tickford tie-up. Some of the other drivers that we'll get to on this list have got existing, pre-existing relationships with main game teams where I don't think Cooper Murray has that. So that's something that he will need to get sorted to make sure that he's on the radar. But I think 2025 is probably a lot more realistic than next year for seeing him in the main game. And I've given him a 70% chance. I'd have it 50-50. I genuinely think it's 50-50 for him to be there in 2025 and probably 5% maybe for this year if everything goes to plan. I mean, if he goes on and wins the Super 2 Series, and we saw last year with Declan Fraser, um, I mean, Declan wasn't even touted to be a, a, a Supercars main game driver literally until December last year. So... Um, if he goes on to win the title and he's right in contention to do so, I mean, there is a slim possibility he might be on the grid next year, but I think 2025 is the better option. And as you mentioned, his relationship with, with teams and having a link with one team is not there at the moment. And I think that that's hurting him potentially being on the grid in 2025. But if you put performances on the table, it's not going to take long before a team goes, oh, hang on, this kid's quick. There's an opportunity here for us to take him under our wings. And then away he goes. That's true. Getting race results is definitely the best way to throw yourself into the spotlight. All right, next driver on my list, and I think this is one that you may not have, not currently running in Super 2, and in fact has never raced in Super 2, Joey Mawson. No, he's not on my list. So there we go, one that we disagree on. But he does have enviable overseas racing credentials. He was a podium finisher in the International Formula 3 Championship He's come back to Australia where he's been very impressive in S5000. He made an appearance in the Bathurst 12-hour last year in an Audi where he was very, very quick. He hasn't raced a supercar yet, but Premier obviously rate his talents because they have offered him an enduro drive. And um, obviously, despite a few well-publicised license issues, it now looks like it's going to swing in his favour and get him 
onto the grid. And in some ways, I actually don't reckon it's been a bad thing for Joey Mawson. As counterintuitive as it sounds, the publicity that he has generated for himself, not intentionally, but the, the publicity that's been generated around the whole super license debate and the criteria for, for being allowed to race a supercar, it's actually worked to his advantage because it's made a lot more people sit up and take notice of who he is. So if he has a good enduro campaign this year with Tim Slade and he demonstrates the talents, which we know that he has, based on particularly his overseas achievements... Uh, he's going to put himself very much in the shop window. I, I don't know that he'll be in a position to land himself full-time on the supercars grid next year, but 2025, I reckon that there's a genuine chance. In fact, I've given him a 60% chance of being full-time on the grid in 2025. Yeah, I'm in two places with this because I agree. I, I think Joey Mawson's a good enough talent to be on the grid and to, to be competitive and to... yeah be there and, and, and be on the grid. Um, the biggest factor for me is that he's just not been embraced by the teams in the supercars paddock and it's taking him so long just to get a license to be able to compete, which puts him to me in the Nathan Hearn basket where Nathan's competitive, he's good, he's been great in Trans Am and kicking backsides over in um, North America, but he's just not even close to getting an option in supercars. And I have a feeling that Joe Mawson might be in that in that similar vein. Um, the other factor is, um, if he does really well for um, Premier Racing this year, he's unlikely to get a gig in 2024 in the main game. He's going to have to go through Super 2. And money is a big factor for him to getting mm-hmm. that opportunity. I can't see that happening. And I just see the situation where he's going to have to rely on a team to take take him under their wings and go, you're good enough, you're good enough, and give them opportunities, give them opportunities, and give them opportunities. If Peter Zibra spots some potential there, he might, like, if, if Joey impresses him in the Enduros, one of the things we know about Peter Zibras is that he's a hard taskmaster, but at the same time, if he sees somebody with the talent who's doing a good job... He has the funding to be able to open up opportunities for those people as well. So I get that, but I also feel that Zibaris is going to go for a big gun. I think if you're going to... So Golding's there. I think Golding's your driver that stays there for four or five years. And I think Slade's, unfortunately, the most vulnerable because of his age and the fact that his career is probably on on the downhill rather than the uphill. Um, so... If I'm Zibarus and I've got a quick car and I'm in a I'm in a market for a driver, I'm attacking someone like a Cameron Waters or a Chas Mostert or a Anton Di Pasquale. I'm waiting for one of them to get um, unhappy at their current team, throw the money towards them and away I go. I don't think you take the risk on Joey Mawson. Um, obviously if those factors fall through, then Joey does become an option. I just don't I just feel that Joey's time has passed from getting into supercars full-time. And I just think he's going to be probably a decent co-driver going forward. And I just don't think there's an opportunity for him to make that jump. I'm hoping that I'm wrong. I'm hoping that I'm wrong because he's a talented driver and there's plenty of stuff going for him. And he's an absolute superstar. And the fact that he's won the Gold Star multiple times is a credit to him. And he's had a really successful career overseas. But I, I just feel that there's politics and too many factors 
against him, that will probably serve to not put him on the grid um, in 2024 or 2025. And yeah, I just don't think that, that it's going to happen. Yeah, I, I think probably the, the one thing that works against him is his age. He is 27. So um, yeah, he, he's a bit older than a lot of the other drivers on this list. But anyway, I've put him on my list because I am hopeful that he earns an opportunity that he deserves. Uh, your turn. Next one on your list. Uh, I'm going to be, be controversial here and I'm going to pull a surprise from, from a little bit of nowhere. Um, he's a name very familiar to a lot of people. He raced in Formula One. He's currently a test driver in Formula One. Uh, his name is Dan, Daniel Ricciardo. I think he's a genuine shot at potentially being in the supercars <laughs> grid in um, in the next few years. Yeah, he's not on my list. No, I didn't think he would be. Uh, so, so let me let me um, let me try and explain this probably because a lot of you are probably thinking I'm going mentally insane. Um, so obviously he's a test driver right now. He's looking at an option for 2024. My argument here is I think his Formula One career is done. As a full-time driver, I don't think he's getting on the grid. I think there's there's two factors here. I don't think he's driving for one of the top teams. I don't think he's going to be in Red Bull or Mercedes or Ferrari or even Aston Martin, given the way that they're going right now. the The other factor is he's come out quite clearly and said, "I do not want to drive for one of the bottom few teams, mm. whether that's Haas, AlphaTauri, the Alfa Romeo at the moment, but I think they're going to be Sauber next year, and then they're going to be um, Audi down the line." Williams, you name it, the list goes on. So the issue that I see here is that he's factored himself out of Formula One by not going to the bottom teams, and I don't think he's good enough to to, to get a chance at the top teams. So where does that leave Dan for drives and going forward? So to me, I think America's out of the window. I know that he's, he loves America. He... He, he spends a lot of his time there, and, and for him, America is a huge place to be. But I can't see him committing to NASCAR. There's too many rounds in a season for him to be engaged and energized and those sort of things. So I think NASCAR is not an option. IndyCar is an option, but if IndyCar was an option, he would have probably taken that scenario this year and still been a driver, or sorry, a test driver at Formula One. So I think IndyCar is out as well, which then leaves supercars. Supercars is in a perfect window where you race 12, maybe 15 times a year. You don't do many test days. You're lucky if you do two or three. One of them's taken at the end, at the start of the season anyway. And obviously, teams have been giving, given more test days because of Gen 3. That changes next year. We get back to what we were previous to, to the Gen 3 era. So for me, he doesn't have to spend a lot of time in Australia competing. He only has to do it. 15 to 20 weeks of the year he gets the chip of racing at Bathurst and then he can go off and do whatever he wants for the last 30 weeks of the year that can be American trips that can be um, improving his brand that can be doing whatever I just think that supercars if he's going to race somewhere else is actually the best scenario for him going forward the obvious factor now is who goes and signs him. Yeah. So it would have to be a top team. It would have to be that a top could afford to pay the amount of money that he would be expecting. Yeah. But there there is potentially an opportunity. And hey, he's made a lot of money in the last three or four years, and he's making a lot of money this year sitting on his backside. So to be fair, um, 
there's a situation here where there, there could be a, an idea where he chips in a bit of the funds, he puts himself in a window to, to race and be competitive, and away he goes. And I, I don't think it's happening next year, but if we're talking about 2025 drivers, like the last couple of that we've had on our list, Dan's certainly there. I rate him as a 20-25% chance to be, to be there in 2025, but it's better than anyone else after on this scenario because we're after probably... Dan, we're probably talking about drivers either in 26, 27, or even longer than that for the future. So, mm. um, actually, I might have another one that might be in 2025 that might be there. But um, a lot of the drivers that are probably going to be on a list going forward are 26 and beyond. So, why not? Why not um, seeing? Why not um, having a, an opportunity to get a, an ex Formula One driver? And we've seen multiple ex Formula One drivers come back to Australia to compete. I know it's been a while since it happened. Obviously, the last one, I think, was... Um, Alan Jones. Alan Jones. Yep. Mm. Um, but there's nothing stopping Dan from doing the same thing. Well, he has said that he wants to do Bathurst, so it's not a completely far-fetched idea. Uh, I, I just think, I mean, obviously, he's living the glamorous overseas lifestyle. Like I said, there would need to be a top team, so there would need to be a spot that would open up at a top team. I still think he would expect to be paid. I can't see Daniel Ricciardo paying to drive supercars. But one thing I will say is that if it was to happen, it would be an extremely positive news story for supercars as a series in a period where it's been struggling a bit for positive news stories, particularly with Gen 3 and and all of the parity issues that have been floating around this year. And who's to say, right, if they're going to go overseas... Singapore, Australian Grand Prix, whatever, and they're looking mm. at not doing just two, and they're looking at buying a, a wreck or whatever they're calling it these days, I mean, what's to say that they don't buy one or buy two, plonk Dan in there and go, hey, let's use him as a publicity stump for the next 12 to 18 yeah, months? I think that would be dangerous territory supercars owning its own team. Well, I think that would open up a whole other can of worms. 100%. But... That you could easily subsidise his payment through supercars as a promotional tool. We use, we see it in AFL, we see it in NRL, we see it in multiple sports where um, the the organising body pays a lot of money to have that person on as ambassador. Dan mm. would be the perfect ambassador for supercars, and as you mentioned, there's been a lot of negative publicity. This would be the first step, or one of the one of the steps to bringing some positivity back into the series. As I said, it's it's a slim scenario, highly unlikely to happen. But if we're talking about drivers that could potentially be on the grid in 2025, I actually wouldn't rule him out. Well, there we go. Let, let's uh, let's get back to. A- bit more realistic prospects so the next driver on my list is brad vaughan so he won the super three title last year he defeated kai allen after kai allen crashed out in the last race of the year and this year he hasn't had many race results on the board but when you look at his qualifying speed it's actually been really strong particularly in the most recent round in perth like i said he's missed out on some results due to incidents not all of which have been his fault. He's still very young. He's only 19. And he has the tie-up with Tickford because that's who he's driving for in the Super 2 Series. I don't think he'll be on the grid next year. 2025, maybe. 2026, a better chance. Uh, 40% chance I've given him. 
He's not on my list, but he's probably 11. So he he's certainly one that's he's certainly in contention. I just don't have him, have him on my list. And I've also probably gone a little bit out there with a couple of my other options, just purely for not spicing up this podcast, but also like creating conversation. Mm. Because I, I think we, we sometimes look at Super 2 and go, this driver, this driver, this driver, this driver, this driver. Well, why not look above and beyond? But mm. um, I, I agree. I, I think Brad Vaughan certainly got all the right ingredients to get to where he needs to be which is supercars he's young he's got a deal with tickford the issue that i have with with the tickford scenario is that they have a lot of drivers in and around their their scenario and brad's probably seventh or eighth on there and if cam leaves at the end of the year they're not going to probably well they might get zach in to to fill that role but they're probably going to go on a on a poached mission themselves to try and get a a, a driver that's already established and away they go to get into that spot because they don't want to suddenly go from a Cameron Waters who's in contention for a championship that could win the championship to having a, a rookie in there that may take two to three years to get to that same level. They will want someone that can jump in straight away and do the job and I don't think Zach could do that. So that would be where they'd go and find someone else. Who that is, well, that's a million-dollar question that I'm well, sure... Well, yeah, I mean, they need, they need a team later, don't they? And 100%. if Cameron Waters leaves, that's a big loss when you consider that he's been the driver who's been qualifying on pole position and, and the one who's most looked like winning races this year. But obviously some, some things have gone wrong out of his control. But he's the only one of the four... Tickford drivers this year who's in the top 10 in the championship and, and for Tickford the four car operation to have all four of their drivers outside the top 10 is not good enough they need a team leader who needs to be not just in the top 10 but in the top five and competing for race wins week in and week out well I think you could argue there's a couple of four teams that are in that position where they should really be in the top 10 but they're not um, in terms of having some drivers in the top 10 and, and they're not so um and we will definitely not be going into that parity issue, but obviously it's clear that there's there's concerns and issues with what's going on mm. with that, and I'm sure that's going to be solved before um, Townsville, given that they're going to do a, do a review on that right now. So Brad Vaughan, so he was the next one on my list. Uh, your turn. Uh, I've gone. F- I've got to have a South Australian on the list. Come on, I'm a South Australian, so I've got to have Brad Vaughan, South Australian. Well, there's there's <laughs> one, but there is another one. Uh, Kai Allen is 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 yep. on my list. Um, he's he's on my list as well. Yeah. Yep. So he's he's probably the he's the next one for me. Um, that's that's probably 2026 and beyond. Um, yep. I can't see him being on there next year and I can't see him being on there in 2025 but the kid's got a bucket of talent he's very young like very very young I think he's 17 17 yep. so um, yeah I mean I, I, given given how young he is you probably forgive some of the mistakes that we've seen particularly the one in Adelaide at the end of last year it reminds me of a lot of the, the mould of um, Brock Feeney and Will Brown mm. young fast just not got that race mentality just yet, has the tendency to make mistakes. But if we look at what's what what's happened to both Brock and um, Will, I mean, both of them are, are multiple race winners this year and both of them are genuine championship contenders. And I and I feel Kai Allen is, is one of those next-gen talents that will be on the grid sooner rather than later. So um, if he wasn't on this list, I'd be very surprised because, um, yeah, to me, he's... he's 
going to be a star. Um, but I just think we're just a little bit away from him being on the grid at the moment. I think 2024 is out of the question. I think 2024, we might see him as a co-driver, depending on how he goes towards the latter half of this year and the first half of next year. But I certainly think 2025 into 2026, that's him going to be in that window to be looked at by a lot of teams. And it'll be basically who cracks first at giving him an opportunity. Obviously, he's, he's with Eggleston Motorsport, so Eggleston has connections with different teams in supercars, but um, yeah, I certainly see him sooner rather than later being in the in the grid. So yeah, 2024, 0%, 2025, probably 10%, but I reckon 2026, he's almost at 100%. So Kai Allen today on the supercars grid by 2026. All right, the next driver on my list is Jay Hansen. Uh, was he on your list, Jones? No, he wasn't. No, okay, so... He was very fast in TCR last year and the year before. He's been a steady improver in Super 2 with a consistent start to 2023. Again, still only very young. He's only 19, and he's also part of the Erebus Junior Academy, so he has that connection to a main game supercar team. Like some of the others on this list, I'd like to see him in an endurance drive, so I reckon that... 2025, the absolute earliest for a full-time main game drive, much more likely in 2026. Yeah, I think Jay would be in the top 15, but he's just not making my top 10. And I and I think this is his second season now, and he's still like there's drivers that have they're in their first year this year that are beating him already, and I that's a worry to me. Like you've got to if you're going to come into Super Two, you've got to hit the ground running, be really impressive and do really good performances. Otherwise, you'll have, like what probably we'll talk about a little bit later with some of the names, and there might be even one on this list, but um, you'll sort of be put into the system and then sort of thrown back out. You might be a co-driver, but the opportunities for you to be a full-time driver completely disappear. And I have a feeling that Jay might get into that. I really Mm -hmm. hope he doesn't. I mean, he's a talented driver. He's done really well in TCR. He's doing great things in Super 2, but obviously he's not ticking those boxes just yet. And I, and I reckon also the, the success of Erebus has hurt him a little bit because if Erebus weren't so successful, with all due respect, they wouldn't have got, say, Jack Perkins or David Russell or someone else to um, be their co-driver because they would sit there and go, oh, we're probably not going to win Bathurst this year, so we'll give the rookie a go. Mm. Whereas because they've been so successful, and credit to them, I mean, they've been the, the, the story of 2023 by a mile, but the problem is they're going to they are going to put experienced drivers in those cars mm. over a rookie, and that's I think what's hurt him a little bit um, by getting that opportunity. But I think yeah, 2024, 2025, he might have an opportunity as a co-driver, and we'll, we'll see how he goes then. But I, I just have that feeling that he might be sort of one that comes in, doesn't get the opportunity, and sort of falls back out into the system, and we'll see him in TCR or we'll see him still in a Super Two, or he'll go and do something else. Your turn. Right. Uh, so I've gone for... A, I've actually got a couple of Sons of Guns. Um, but Actually, I've got three Sons of Guns, I should say. Um, but uh, the first one on my list is Cameron McLeod. Ah, okay. He wasn't on my list. So mm. he's... So Super 3 this year, the whole talk has been Jet Johnson and Mason Kelly, um, the sons of Stephen Johnson and Todd Kelly. But Cameron McLeod's been both of them, and mm-hmm. he's been very impressive this year in Super 3. So, um, And he's doing everything right. Um, and if he goes on to... And he's not leading the Super 3 championship now, but if he goes on to win the championship, I have no, no doubt that he'll be in Super 2. And then 
it'll be up to him how he goes from there. But he's a son of a gun. He's got connections in the game already. Obviously, he's, his father and grandfather were, were successful drivers in their own right. So to me, half the battle is getting the right connections into the right areas. And he's got that. So, um, And he's doing the job on, on the on the on the track so far this year. So and he was good in Formula Four last year as well. And when you look at the history of drivers who've gone well in national Formula Four, that's a pretty good barometer about their chances of progressing to a full time main game supercars drive. So even though he's not in my top ten, he's definitely not far away from it. So yeah, good choice. And I don't think he's there twenty four, twenty five, I think he's twenty six and beyond. So from Cameron McLeod, you mentioned that he was dating Jen Johnson and Mason Kelly in Super 3. So I've gone for the next one on my list for a driver who's beating Jet Johnson, Mason Kelly and Cameron McLeod, and that's Job Stewart. So he's currently leading the Super 3 series. He had a very impressive run in Toyota 86s. He's another one who's part of the Erebus Junior Academy. Doing well in Super 3 this year. Obviously, we need to see him step up to Super 2 and continue the momentum there. And... Again, you're probably looking at 2027 at the the earliest for his progression to the main game. Yeah, I I, I agree. He wasn't on my list, my top ten list, but um, I think he's probably easily in my in my top twenty, um, maybe even a little bit higher. So, yeah, certainly certainly doing really well this year in Super Three, and um, yeah, hopefully from his end he can continue that because if he goes off, off on to beat those three sons of guns. Then um, that's only going to help his um, help his future going forward. Uh, I have a feeling I know who your next one will be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, definitely um, it's definitely one of the other two sons of guns. So I've yep. got Jed Johnson as the next mm-hmm. one, and I think I think we we don't really need to talk about it too much. He's obviously the son and grandson of uh, of, of two legends of the sport. Yes, yeah, Stephen Johnson's probably not got the the lofty results that his father did, but. Stephen had a very good career, and I think anyone who sort of argues against that can um, yeah, go, on, go on the lay bin, so to speak, because um, Stephen had a really good career, and you don't, you don't be a driver for more than 10 years in, in the sport without doing, doing well, and there was probably occasions where he's been unlucky not to get further success in his career. But Jet's already a national champion. He won the, the um, TA2 series last year, and obviously doing really well in Super 3, and I, and I don't think... I think we need to look at his success in Super Three as a as a um, as a scenario where he's going to get better. I mean, it's a he, learning year. He got thrown yeah. in the deep end mm. pretty quickly, um, yeah. and Stephen Johnson, who's his manager and his father, and, and looking after his career, basically um, um, said that at the start of the year and said, "Hey, this is this is a year where he's going to learn a lot of things, and then in 2024 and 2025, he's going to grow." To me, he's not going to be on the grid for for a couple of years he's, he's probably 26 27 but who knows if he if he if his career rises really quickly then um certainly um he will be um given opportunities and, that, and the other thing as well is he's the grandson of a team owner in dick johnson you you know as well as i do that um they love to to have their their sons and grandsons in cars so and the way that anton and will davison's contract contracts are going and what where they could end almost fits perfectly for Jet to potentially be in and, and given a role so um, everything's on track for him to potentially be to be a star and yeah I think he I think he'll be there sooner or later I think the big test for him obviously like we say learning year in Super 3 this year that the test for him will be what happens when he steps up to Super 2 
and how quickly he can get up to speed there. If he can be competitive in Super 2, then I tend to agree it's only a matter of time. He was just outside the top 10. He was in that group of drivers who just missed out. I want to mention in my top 10, the next one in my top 10, and in fact, the last one in my top 10, might come as a bit of a surprise to you, Shane, and that is Matthew Hillier. Yeah, a little bit of a surprise. So he's currently leading the Australian Formula Ford Series. He clean-swept the Phillip Island route of the Toyota 86 Scholarship Series, and he's also part of the Walkinshaw Andretti United Junior Development Program. So he's got the tie-up there. Now, obviously, he needs to finish the job and win the title in Formula Ford this year, but statistically, we've seen it in the past, that if you win the National Formula Ford title, your chances of progressing to the main game are very, very high. And Matthew Hillier is, is the driver in control of that series at the moment so given that plus the fact that he's got the Walkinshaw tie up I, I do rate his prospects as pretty good just a, a bit of an interesting observation so I've got here 2027 for the time frame for him to be making his full-time debut in the main game it's taken a lot it takes a lot longer these days to progress from Formula Ford to the main game than it used to so Jamie Winkup won the Australian Formula Ford Championship in 2002 and he had his first main game season with Gary Rogers Motorsport the very next year in 2003. Tanda won the National Formula Ford title in 1997, was in supercars in the main game in 1998, whereas now you win the National Formula Ford Series, there's all those other intermediate steps that you have to do before you can make it to supercars, and it might take you another three, four, five years, or in the case of Cameron Hill, eight years from when you win the National Formula Ford titles when you, you actually make it full-time onto the supercars grid. But what I will say on that is, if you look at Jamie Winkup's career in particular... He won 2002 in the Formula Ford Series, came into supercars in 2003, struggled, wasn't ready, got kicked out by Gary Rogers, and then two years later after co-drives and really impressing with Tasman Motorsport in 2005, got his gig again in 2006, and we know what happened after that. So I'm wondering, uh, are teams now more understanding that, yeah, you can grab the kid from Formula Ford and he's going to be quick, but he may not be quick that next year. It might take him two to three years. I mean, Nick Perkat's another example of that. He won in 2009, but it took him a couple of years and being in and out of supercars to get that full-time gig and to then be successful. Yes, he ended up winning Bathurst not long after either, but um, it took him a while to get into the series. Only the really... Except, and I'm not saying Nick and Jamie are not exceptional. I mean, one's a, one's a goat for, for heaven's sake. But only the really exceptional drivers that are genuine superstars or almost legends of the sport or will go on to be legends of the sport have really gone straight from Formula Ford to them being in supercars and them being pretty successful straight away. All right. I reckon you've got one more. I've got two more, actually. Two more on your top ten list. Yeah, because yep. there was two that you had that I didn't have on my uh, list. Oh, yes. Okay. Yep. So one is another son of, the, of a gun. I said I had three. So it's Marcus Flack. So the son of Damien Flack. So he went overseas for a little bit, competed in... Um, the, some of the formula categories over there. He's come back to Australia this year and he's competing in the Michelin um, Porsche Michelin Sprint Challenge. Obviously the son of Damien Flack. So for me, I think he's got all the connections to, to, to move up and potentially be in the main game one day and he's a son of a gun. His dad's certainly got enough money to pro- probably fund his career and 
go his way forward. I'm not saying that he will definitely do that. I think a lot of people these days know go that, hey, we'll give you the money, but you need to work hard for it and do what you need to do. But I think if we've seen a lot of the drivers over the last 10 to 15 years who have come into the sport, Thomas Randall's one, Anton Di Pasquale is another. They've gone overseas. They've got that experience as a 17, 18, 19-year-old. They've then come back. They've then competed, won national titles, and mm. then gone on to supercars. So I reckon Marcus is one of those drivers that might do that and go in have that experience overseas, yeah, come back, and then be yeah, successful. Even earlier than that, James Courtney, Will Davidson, Marcus Ambrose, other examples of drivers who went overseas, pursuing the Formula 1 dream, didn't quite make it, had to come back to Australia and race supercars. And I reckon there's a couple of others that are that are that that didn't make my list or didn't make your list that are, I reckon are, are potential ones for the future. But at the moment, they are doing really well overseas. So I hope that they continue to do well overseas and we can actually see them in Formula 1. Because, I, I mean, with all due respect, I mean, there's nothing wrong with supercars and coming back to do that. But we really want to see more drivers come into to Formula 1. We've had, we've been really blessed that we've had three in the last 20 years in, in Mark Webber, Dan Ricciardo, and now Oscar Piastri. But we want more. Let, let's be selfish. Let, let's be in a scenario where we get two, three Australians on the grid um, at one stage and have 10% of the of the Formula 1 field. Why not? Why, why, why should we sit here and go, one's good enough? We should be daring to dream a bit more and hoping that we get two or three or even four. So that would be from my end. I hope in the future that we get more Formula 1 stars uh, on the grid. The other one uh, is actually someone who's probably aspiring to be in Formula 1 and I'm not sure he's going to get there and I reckon Supercars might be his next option. Uh, Jack Doohan. Yeah, I, I thought about him as well. Yes. So yep. so yep. Jack's obviously doing really well um, in... Well, he, he did really well in Formula 2 last year. He's sort of hit a bit of a curveball this year with, with his um, with his racing in Formula 2. He's an Alpine Academy driver at the moment, but I just feel that there might be a scenario where he's just not there to be in Formula 1, and then what's his next option? Where does he go to, to come forward and those sort of things? And I reckon supercars might be an option. Um, he's in a very wealthy family. His, his father was a MotoGP great, so... Yeah, why not? I reckon that might be an option for him going forward and he's got enough connections in Australia to do it, so I reckon that might be an option for him going forward. It's definitely a possibility. The only thing I'd say there is I think there's still some other overseas opportunities even if he doesn't make it to Formula 1, so World Endurance Championship and those sorts of categories that might appeal to him, but he's one that crossed my mind when I was putting this list together, so uh, yeah, I, I don't disagree with your inclusion of him on on your list that's for sure he may never get into supercars it it Mm. may be a genuine scenario where we actually see him really improve in the second half of the season go on a tear win multiple races Pierre Gasly or Esteban Ocon have a fallout with the team and he's in away we go but the, the way that the way that everything's unfolding I just don't know if he's starting to to create himself an opportunity where he's just going to miss that chance to be in Formula 1 and then he's got to find something else and well why not supercars alright let's talk about the drivers who just missed out and I reckon that we've probably both got a few of the same names on the list of people who we thought about but ultimately didn't make our top 10 and I've sort of divided them up into groups based on where they're at in their careers. So in the first group, I've got four drivers who have all previously raced in Super 2 
are not currently racing in Super 2, but all of them have got endurance drives this year, and they are Jaden O'Jada, Tyler Everingham, Jay Robotham, and Jordan Boys. And the concern that I have particularly for Jaden O'Jada is that he's missed his chance and that he's been leapfrogged by people. So he was good in Super 2, although he never won any races there. He will be on the endurance grid this year with Matt Stone Racing, but I just feel like with the likes of Ryan Wood, Zach Best, and him was sort of racing against each other, but also the fact that he was leapfrogged by the likes of Cameron Hill and Declan Fraser, who were technically behind him but have now moved ahead of him, I worry for Jaden that he's missed his opportunity to be in a full-time seat. I think out of the four you've mentioned, I think he's the most likely to get a crack. But yeah, I think you're right. I think he may... I think this year is probably his final year. I think this year is his final decent crack at it because if he does well with, with Matt Stone Racing and situations happen that Cam Hill is not there next year, I'm not saying he's gone, but if there's situations that have him out then Jade might be an opportunity to, to get back in. There might be an opportunity somewhere else if he really does well. I mean, he's won the Bathurst six hour this year. He's been really impressive in GTs as well. So he's not he's not not driving and he's not impressing either. He's doing a, a very good job when he gets an opportunity. So he's certainly putting his case forward, but the issue is he's not doing anything in Super 2 to really put more of a case forward. And I get it. I guess at the end of the day, Super it's hard to keep spending like, yeah. hundreds of thousands of dollars for year after year after year in Super 2. And that's the issue. Like You get to a point where how much is too much and a lot of these a lot of these drivers need day jobs and need to fend for themselves and earn a living. I mean, if Well, you... ultimately, that's what's happened with Tyler Everingham and Jay Robotham. So they've both gone, well, look, we can't afford to keep throwing money at season after season of Super 2. So they've gone and done some other things. Tyler Everingham has been running in Trans Am this year. We've seen that Jay Robotham has been doing some overseas racing in the Asian TA2 series. Jay, I still do raise a chance for the reason that he's got time on his side. He's still only 20 years old, so he's young enough that yep. he can still find his way into a main game drive. I think for those four drivers, it will get to a point where they need to go chips in. They need to go one more year in Super 2, all in, get the best drive possible in the in the field and and just go for broke and go okay if i get it win it hopefully a team looks looks at me and goes pick me and then go forward from there if not well then that'll be it that'll, that'll be the career done and there might be an opportunity where none of these drivers actually go forward and do it again but you, you kind of need to do what you need to do in super two to, to be to go forward i mean look at look at where all the drivers have come from in the last three or four years and well supercars some might argue have literally pushed it through that that avenue but it it's right at the moment that's where you need to go to to be um in in supercars you need to race in super two so yeah i think with those four drivers that would be my point of view is that all four of them are in danger of being leapfrogged into full-time drivers by others who are currently impressing in Super 2. Uh, the next three drivers that I've got on my list are all currently in Porsche Carrera Cup. Callum Hedge, Jackson Walls and Max Vido. All very talented drivers. We've seen that Max Vido has won the Australian Formula Ford title. Jackson Walls has been a big improver this year in Carrera Cup and it looks like he's going to be one of the main title contenders. And Callum Hedge is another fast New Zealand driver. The, the thing there though is that I feel like these drivers who are running at the front of Carrera Cup 
and it was Matt Campbell who set the trend. He won the Carrera Cup title. He went off overseas. He started to go really well overseas. He's got the Porsche factory drive, won the Bathurst 12-hour, uh, is now going to be racing Porsche hypercars, or he already is in the IMSA series. <laughs> A lot of drivers competing in Carrera Cup in Australia are saying, well, screw supercars. I want to follow in Matt Campbell's footsteps, and I want to pursue the... The Porsche overseas dream. Yeah. And I feel like that's what the likes of Hedge Walls and, and Vito were potentially going to do. He's definitely a trailblazer for, for that. I think Vito is the best opportunity for supercars, but the, the question that I have with him is finances. Um, whether he's got enough money and sponsors in the bank to, to really get and push forward towards that. I think, I think for his situation, he's relying on winning the title and then using the Porsche Carrera Cup system to go overseas and not really having to spend much, which is great. I mean, if you if you can if you can have a situation if, of, of basically not spending a cent to go racing, I mean, we'd all take that opportunity and run with it. But unfortunately, that's just only happening for a privileged scenario, uh, sorry, a privileged few um, that get that opportunity. Um, but I think Vito is probably the best op- opportunity. But again, as you rightly pointed out, when was the last dri- driver to have success in Porsche Carrera Cup go into go into supercars and not do it pretty much without sort of funding their own way to get there or going via Super 2 I mean both Cameron Hill and Matt Payne went Carrera Cup Super 2 supercars so to find someone who went directly from Carrera Cup to, to supercars I mean Nick Perkett went supercars back to Carrera Cup, back into supercars. But besides that, you really have to go all the way back to the likes of Fabian Coulthard and Alex Davison from back in the mid-2000s. And again, it's the whole, you know, the licensing system and the fact that supercars stipulate the minimum requirement of Super 2 rounds that you, you have to do, which really makes it very difficult to not go via Super 2 with at least one season. Uh, a couple of other, speaking of Porsches, a couple of other names, Marco Giltrap and Rhoda Murphy. They're both impressing in the Porsche Michelin Sprint Challenge. They're both Kiwis. Rhoda Murphy is the son of Greg Murphy. You know, again, obviously both still very young and, and part of that Porsche pathway, but I wouldn't be surprised, particularly Roman Murphy, given his dad's rich heritage in the sport, that he sees the appeal of racing supercars, but obviously still a few years away. Yes, Bailey Sweeney and Ben Barguana are both names that popped into my head when I was putting this list together. Bailey Sweeney's been super fast in TCR this year. Uh, Ben Barguana, another son of a gun, but I don't know. I just feel like the TCR field's been a bit flat this year, and I'm not sure that that series with its front-wheel drive cars is really a genuine stepping stone to supercars. Have we had a driver go from TCR right up to supercars the no. answer is no so that's that's the issue going forward for TC and and I don't think TCR's sitting here going we are wanting to create a, a an avenue for supercars drivers in the future they want to be their own series and and sort of take it to supercars and I get that but at the end of the day they are a feeder series to, to supercars supercars is number one in Australia by a margin and then it's the rest so TCR, whether they like it or not, is a feeder series into that. But yeah, none, no one's been able to get from TCR to supercars. The person that's likely to do that is Jay Hansen, which is on your who is on your list. Mm. So that's that's the probably the saving factor of those other two. I, I think for Bailey Sweeney, cost is another factor. I, I, I know that he's sort of scrounging around funds just to get to TCR, and he's done a really good job of doing that this year and by all accounts he's probably going to win the championship and really 
really credit him for doing that. But I guess that's the key. You then got to find a bigger budget to get into Super 2 and then a bigger budget on top of that to potentially get into supercars one day. And I just think that sometimes when you win a series like that, that next step is going to be a pretty high step to to go in and, and do it. Mm. So there's two more names on my list of honourable mentions or, or drivers who I, I considered. But before I read those out, any more drivers that you want to mention, Jonesy? I had one... Uh, Zach Bates, the other WAU mm-hmm. um, driver from uh, Super Two, I-, I think he's I think he's a genuine shot as well. I mean, he's he's a, Zach's talented in his own right. He's done really well in Toyota eighty six, and obviously he's given been given opportunity in um, Super Two. He's not been as successful as his teammate Ryan would this year, but that takes time. Things happen, and you just never know with him. He he could certainly be one to look out for going forward. Yep, and again comes from a, a family with a rich motorsport heritage so the last two drivers that i want to touch on still very early days and we need to emphasize this for both of these drivers but i've seen enough signs of talent for both of them that they're definitely ones to watch in the future so ryan kasher who has had some stellar performances in hyundai xls he's had some good results in toyota 86s but the thing that impressed me most about him was the way that he adapted to the v8 mustang production car at the bathurst six hour earlier this year where he was one of the fastest Mustang drivers right throughout the weekend. I was super impressed with that and it shows that he's got the versatility and the adaptability to be able to transition between different types of cars. So obviously he's still quite a few years away from making it to supercars but definitely one to keep an eye on. And the last one is the driver who, in my mind right now, is the most likely female to make it all the way to supercars and that is Alice Buckley. Yep. So 12 months ago, if you'd asked me who's the most likely female to make it to supercars, I would have said Courtney Prince. But to be frank, she has been underwhelming so far in Carrera Cup where she's been running not only towards the tail end of the pros, but in some of the races, she's even been beaten by some of the pro-am drivers. I really thought she would have been going a bit better than that. Uh, whereas Alice Buckley, she has shown raw speed in both XLs and in the Toyota 86 scholarship series. Still only very, very young as well, so time is on her side. And right now, if you asked me who is the the most likely female to make it to a full-time supercars drive, she would be the one I would nominate. So the issue with her is she's actually so successful that she's actually going overseas to compete. She's actually a Ferrari... She was in the Ferrari... Um, driver Academy last year. She was, but she is doing Toyota 86 Series this year. Yeah, so obviously for her, I mean, does she go into the open wheel path and potentially attack that that avenue? Mm. Um, That's the only, I guess, question in in relation to that. But yeah, she is is a genuine um, up-and-coming young young star and she's been really good, really good for over the last 12 to 18 months. So that basically concludes our predictions we've got our crystal ball out on this episode of check and flag chat and tried to predict who the next 10 drivers are that you'll see on the grid in supercars so jonesy just to wrap things up i'm going to read out my top 10 list and then you can do the same so my list is zach best ryan wood aaron love cooper murray joey mawson brad vaughan Kai Allen, Jay Hansen, Job Stewart, and Matthew Hillier. So mine's Zach Best, Ryan Wood, Aaron Love, Cooper Murray, Daniel Ricciardo, then Cameron, Mac- uh, sorry, Kai Allen, Cameron McLeod, Jet Johnson, Marcus Flack, and Jack Dillon. 
There we go. So that completes our crystal ball predictions here on this episode of Checkered Flag Chat. Thanks for joining me, Jonesy. Thank you.